Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, welcome to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens, and as ever, it is an honor to be with you tonight. This is the show that respects your intelligence. We bring you the stories that the mainstream media often ignores, and we bring you the perspectives that big tech so often seeks to silence. We're joined now by Tony Schaefer. He's a retired United States Army Reserve Lieutenant Colonel. He's a New York Times best-selling author, and he is also the president of the London Center for Policy Research. Tony, thanks so much for joining us. Eric, always uh, an honor to join you. Thank you. You Governor, bet. for having me on. You bet. So, Tony, before we dive in to a couple big things you guys are working on, for our viewers who don't know, give them an update, please, a brief introduction to the London Center for Policy Research and the work that you do there as president and the team of fellows that you've assembled. So the London Center is actually based in New York. We're not in London. And it's named after my uh, boss, Dr. Herb London, who passed about two years ago. And our focus is... Uh, two broad areas, which keeps us very busy. First, national security that incorporates everything from technology to energy. And uh, some of the things we'll talk about tonight will reflect some of our current work. The other area, this may be a strange combination, but it's actually all about uh, liberty, Uh, the the Bill of Rights. Uh, One of our other big projects right now is the Second Amendment. Uh, We, if if people go to our website, we did a a first-time gun ownership video, uh, joint PSA with six hours talking about the fundamentals of, of the importance of both the Second Amendment as well as safe utilization of the Second Amendment for purposes of uh, keeping individuals safe. So it's, it's all about security, individual security and collective security. And uh, that's that's what we do as the, the London Center. Fantastic, Tony. Well, I'll also say Sig Sauer supplied the Sig Sauer P226, which is what I carried every day in the in the SEAL teams. They're, they're obviously a great uh, a great partner. So, Tony, Eric, let, I, let, I carried the M11. So, yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. So let's turn to, to national security. Uh, first, sure. you guys have been doing a lot of research, not only on the China threat, but also on the Biden administration's approach to it and the Biden administration's vulnerabilities as they regard China. Give our viewers an update and a breakdown, if you would, on the threat that China poses and what the Biden administration's posture looks like right now. Yeah, thanks, Eric. And that's important for people to understand. This is multi-layered. And uh, I'll I'll start Mm -hmm. with the big and go to the small. Uh, General, uh, the the current chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Mark Milley, and I had a conversation back in December of of, uh, 2016 when I was on the Trump transition team. And General Milley, when he was chief of staff of the Army, outlined the specific threats that we were facing. Hmm. And one of the biggest threats is China. Uh, China has stated in its military doctrine, as well as its internal documents that we've seen, some of are classified and we can't talk about here on the air, but they've made it very clear that their intention is to dominate the Pacific Rim, both economically, and militarily. Uh, this is an interest that they've been uh, forwarding and fostering uh, for, for decades. Uh, so we at the military uh, level 
uh, understand this. The intelligence that I've seen backs this up. That is to say that they've been trying to use their access to corporations that they own. Uh, uh, remember, China is a communist nation. Uh, the communist government can dictate to industry what it does and does not do. So they've used that muscle, Eric, to leverage access to the world, especially the United States. So they have used that leverage to, to penetrate U.S. markets, the U.S. political system, and most importantly to our discussion, trying to collect on individuals for purposes mm -hmm. of influence. So they, we know that they were behind the OPM hack a few years ago where they basically compromised all the data databases regarding the Office of Personal Management and security clearance data. That's very important. They're now collecting, I just did a thing on Newsmax the other night on this, uh, on collecting DNA uh, on American citizens. They're now trying to influence uh, our corporate world relating to technology such as computers, electronic communications devices, things like that. So why? Why are they doing all this? Well, I would argue they're trying to establish a, a method of both influence of psychology of the masses as well as uh, blackmail potentially of individuals. Mm -hmm. And those individuals they're seeking, Eric, are well-placed and very effective uh, regarding their access to the, the mechanics of government, which brings me to Hunter Biden. Yeah. So one of, one of the things we do know that uh, Vice President Biden did do during his time in office was open the door to Hunter and China. Uh, we know for a fact that there was a $1.4 billion deal offered by the Chinese to Hunter Biden and his his associates. Some of those associates now, Eric, are in jail, just, just saying. Mm -hmm. uh, and what we're left with right now is trying to investigate what does China, what did China expect, what does China expect for that $1.4 billion? Uh, and the evidence that we're now looking at directly is Hunter Biden's hard drive, the hard drive that was left uh, about a year and a half ago with a computer tech in, in Delaware. Um, I've spoken to JP, the, 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 the tech who took this hard drive. We've been uh, offered access to that hard drive. And so one of the things we're going to do as a think tank is examine very carefully, I will be very clear on this, examine the hard copy documents and other factual evidence of what uh, is on that drive. And so we're going to look at it from the perspective of what did China see that's on that drive that could be exploitable, that is to say that could be used as leverage against Hunter or the Biden family. And more importantly, where did that money go? Who, mm -hmm. who did that money uh, benefit? And is there expectation by the Chinese that they're going to get something for that money. So simply put, uh, we want to examine for purposes of national security uh, what China is currently doing to undermine or influence the Biden administration. Uh, every American needs to be concerned about this, Eric. This is not about uh, 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 some of the more sensational content of that drive. I think a lot of us have seen it. Okay, I, I get it. Uh, should law enforcement be in investigating that? Uh, yes, no doubt. And Hunter Biden is under investigation. But we want to look at the broader picture here, Eric. We want to look at, at patterns that are emerging relating to the influence that China's attempting to, uh, to, to use to push this administration to do things that benefits China and in the long term will actually harm the American people.
And Tony, for, for folks who want to learn more, give them, please, your, your coordinates where they can find you and the, the London Center on, online sure. and on social media. So uh, our address is londoncenter.org. Uh, we have a wide range of, of issues that we, we talk about there. And we also have something called now the Thought to Action podcast, where we do thoughtful, detailed discussions with people like Gordon Chang. Gordon's one of our senior fellows. Um, we've been doing a lot uh, to put out the, the focus of our research and make it available to the public for them to observe. And obviously, anybody who wants to join us in this effort uh, are welcome to join us. We're, we're a public charity. We're a 501c3. So we do this as a policy issue, not as a political issue. Awesome. And Tony, turning, keeping our, our focus on national security uh, for a sure. minute, there's been a lot of attention, of course, to Joe Biden coming into office and immediately killing 11,000 jobs by canceling the Keystone XL pipeline. But we've right. talked about on this program and a lot of our viewers have commented this is also a big blow to American energy independence. It's one of the things that the Trump administration achieved was for the first time American energy independence. From a national right. security perspective, talk, if you would, about the implications of Biden's action regarding the XL pipeline and his, his larger approach to these energy issues. So uh, for the audience to understand, I've actually got a degree in environmental studies, so I'm going to come at this at a different angle, but it's going to get to the same point I think you want me to reach uh, regarding what the reality yeah. is. So the reason they've given for this cancellation is the environment. Oh, this is going to be bad for the environment. It's a complete lie. One of the things notable about bulk oil, moving bulk oil is safest via pipelines. Uh, this is statistically proven over and over again. Alaska has benefited from the Alaskan pipeline, and that's one of the reasons you see investments being made to move this oil from Canada into the United States for purposes of, of uh, refinement and transportation. Uh, we being in energy independent, uh, actually being able to be a net exporter helps us immeasurably. Energy is what drives every single economy, mm -hmm. and a quick note on that. China, at any given time, probably has two to three weeks of, of oil on hand because they have to export, import everything from, from the Middle East. Uh, huge vulnerabilities, we should probably talk about that some other time, but back to the XL uh, pipeline. The reasons they've, they've given to cancel it are uh, meritless, are, are an absolute lie. Uh, if you don't transport that oil via pipe, it goes to rail. Uh, mm -hmm. BNSF, Burlington Northern, Santa Fe Railroad benefits from this movement of oil from pipelines to the rail. Uh, if you're really worried about the environment, Eric, uh, railroads emit a lot of carbon. Uh, they, they have a big carbon footprint and they have whole, a wholesale uh, issue of safety. If you're moving these uh, trains full of oil across the country, they derail and they do blow up. So that's another environmental risk. Who wants oil burning in the environment is part of a wreck and these things happen regularly. So uh, uh, this, the reason they've given to cancel it, it it's fake. It, it's, it, I can speak to, as an environmental studies, you know, degreed person, it doesn't hold water. So why? And so Tony, well, we've got just about 20 seconds yeah. left here. Sure. So go, go on, sir. So what, what, what benefits, it does not benefit the United States, it benefits China, and it benefits those who have corporate interests, which I would argue paid a lot of money to Joe Biden to make him president. So I think those are the things we have to look at when we analyze this in more detail. 
Awesome. Tony, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Again, that's Tony Schaefer. Sure. He is president of the London Center for Policy Research, a New York Times bestselling author, and a retired lieutenant colonel from the United States Army Reserve. Well, stay right with us. We've got an awesome show coming up with more, including Seb Gorka later in the hour and more from Steve Bannon's War Room. We'll be back in just a second. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Well, welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. We're here on this show. As you know, we like to bring you the perspectives that so often big tech seeks to silence. And we are honored now to have John Fredericks on with us. He served as the Virginia chairman of the Trump campaign in 2016 and in 2020. He served on the Trump campaign advisory board in 2020, and he's the founder of the John Fredericks Radio Network. And he was on War Room with me earlier this morning. John, good to see you again. Twice in one day, Eric. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, John, Steve Cortez has a piece out in the National Pulse. And what he says is that Trump can turn the impeachment on the insiders. Break that down for our viewers, if you would, please. Deplorables and Trump supporters that experienced the voter fraud, Eric, themselves is why Republicans at a 90 percent clip believe that there was voter fraud in this election. It isn't because of what Trump said. It's not because of what Sidney Powell said or the media said or what Just the News said. It's because they experienced it themselves. They went to vote, many of them. They were turned away, told, told them that somebody had already sent in an absentee ballot. They drove by. They saw the drop boxes. They saw the ballot harvesting. They knew people in their community that did the affidavits. They knew these ballots were floating around at Starbucks. They saw it. That's why they believe the irregularities in this election were so vast and so uh, damning, and they wanted their day in court. They never got it. They never got their day in court. What Trump has to do now to mobilize his base and to keep the movement growing is he needs himself to go to the Capitol and be part of the team that defends himself, but also goes on offense and outlines the case for the voter irregularities of voter fraud in these five or six states. He's the only one that can do it. He's the one that it affected. He can't turn this over to lawyers. We've seen what happens when he turns it over to people. That's never been successful in his administration. He needs to do it himself, and he needs to have his day in court, not for himself, but for the 75 million people that voted for him, Eric, and think their vote didn't matter that it got stolen. That's why he needs to do this and turn the tables and put the Senate on trial. Look, it was Nancy Pelosi, Eric, who said part of the impeachment is you lied about voter fraud. Okay, if you think that, then here's the evidence that I have and we'll play it out in front of a billion people across the globe and we'll let public opinion sway the day. 
Yeah, and I think one of the things that's so striking about the left's argument is that they're seeking to silence people. They don't want to have a debate on the facts, and instead, they just want to silence people. They want to call people names. John, from your from your perspective, you're talking to people around the country every day on radio. One of the things that we've observed here is that in the beginning, right after the election, there were a lot of people who were saying, oh, this looks like it was irregular, and people were pointing to the big vote spikes in the middle of the night. And then affidavits started to roll in from people who were testifying under penalty of perjury that they were, you know, for example, ordered to backdate ballots. And then people started looking at some of the statistics. I think one of the things that, that is certainly what we're seeing here is that a lot of people are also saying, like, hold on, how come we haven't actually been given a chance to hear the whole case. If there really is no evidence of election fraud, then wouldn't they want someone to come and actually present that entire case and they can say, well, there's, uh, there's nothing there? You know, Eric, you're right. The pursuit of darkness by the Democrats in so many of these counties and states that have uh, shut down any investigation, they don't yeah. want the light to shine on it. You got to ask yourself why. Mm -hmm. If you have nothing to hide, you want complete transparency. Right. We still have a case in Georgia, in Atlanta and Fulton County, where we've got three affidavits of 20 and uh, uh, 20 and 10 and 15 year election worker veterans mm -hmm. who have an affidavit that say they believe that up to 30,000 mail-in ballots in Fulton County, which is in the heart of Atlanta, Georgia, were counterfeit. They didn't feel right. They didn't look right. They were made by a machine. They weren't folded. They were on different paper. We have been fighting for three months now in order to simply get access to inspect the ballots, to do a forensic analysis. You would think that it was nothing there. Folks right. would say, hey, come on in today so we can end this charade and be done with it and go out to something else. But they keep fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. You got to ask yourself, Eric, why? Well, I think well, one of the, Yeah, and I think one of the things that, that's happening, John, is that as people keep fighting against doing a forensic analysis as they keep trying to silence people who are just trying to lay out what they see as the facts, as they try to silence people who, again, as you point out, have signed sworn affidavits about what they observed. I think it just makes people all the more curious to actually hear uh, hear the case. John, let me ask you this also. What do you think this has done for President Trump's legacy? You know, this second impeachment was rushed through in one day. When Andrew Johnson was impeached, it took over 80 days. With President Clinton, it was it was well over a month. This was an impeachment that was done. A lot of people have called it a drive-by impeachment, where there was no time for evidence to be presented. And in fact, what's come out since that impeachment is that there was a lot of evidence of pre-planning. There was evidence that people were actually in the Capitol before the president even finished his, his speech. What do you think it's done for the president to have been attacked by this way again by Nancy Pelosi? I think it's short-term pain, long-term gain. Because right now the president's legacy has taken a short-term hit. But as you've seen over the last several weeks now, his numbers continue to rise. Mm -hmm. He's being turned into a martyr. People know he's been wronged. And I believe he thinks he should have his day in court. I think this idea that the senators led by Lindsey Graham go to the Capitol, cut a deal, say it's unconstitutional, 
have a mamby-pamby defense, shake hands, do a pillow fight, don't get the 17 votes and go home, is the worst thing possible. Right. Because then you're basically admitting defeat by saying, well, they can't get to 17. That's not an exoneration. An exoneration is you go in there with guns blazing and you say, okay, you want to impeach me? Do you want a true litigation of our findings? For the first time, we're going to lay it out where there's no local appellate court to say you don't have standing or you don't have this, or you did it after the election. Here it is. Here's the evidence. You be the judge. I think if they have the opportunity to do that, they're going to turn the corner with this. Look, Biden is president. What we have to focus on now is how do we fix this going forward? And if you don't even acknowledge any of this happened, you're going to have the same thing in 2022. That's what many of us, Eric, fear. And many people that didn't vote in Georgia in that runoff didn't vote because they didn't think their vote mattered. Mm -hmm. 300,000 Trump voters in, on November 3rd in Georgia stayed home on January 5th, giving those Democratic senators now challenges those two seats in Georgia. Because as we interviewed people day after day after day calling into our show, they yeah. kept saying, why should I get off my butt and go vote when it's going to be stolen again? They've done nothing to change it. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to be made out to be a fool. Yeah. And John, I think part of that also, uh, you know, what we were hearing and obviously you were on the ground uh, there in Georgia. But what we were hearing was a tremendous amount of disappointment in the complicity and the cowardice of establishment Republicans who weren't willing to, it seemed, weren't willing to actually fight for the people who elected them. And what our folks keep saying over and over again is that the fight in Washington seems not to be between Democrats and Republicans, but between the establishment and the swamp versus the American people. What's your perspective? Well, these are the pina colada Republicans, Eric, that you got to remember mm -hmm. the entire RNC had their annual retreat in Amelia Island the week of the runoff and the week of the January 6th uh, situation that happened. So instead of going to Atlanta on Saturday and going out through Georgia, taking their whole RNC staff and knocking on doors and getting Trump voters out for January 5th, they went to Amelia Island in Florida and they drank margaritas and a whistle stick with an umbrella on them. This is the Republican Party that people loathe. And when we talk about the establishment, there is no establishment. The establishment right now is Mitch McConnell and a spreadsheet and a phone and a bunch of donors. We got the, we, we've got 75 million voters that voted for Trump. Mm -hmm. We control the party. Nomination fight after nomination fight. Trump Republicans are going to win. And you take over the party, Eric, by taking over the nominees. Awesome. And John, uh, just in the last kind, kind of minute that we uh, that we have left here, what are you looking at this week in the lead up to this likely impeachment trial? What are the things that you're going to be watching for and that you want our viewers to watch for this coming week? Are senators and Trump's lawyers and the president going to put up a spirited, robust defense mm. against the Democrats in the House? that want to eliminate President Trump as a political figure in perpetuity. That's why I think the stakes here are so high. You can't blow this off and hide behind constitutionality and 17 straw men. You gotta fight this, I hope they will.
Awesome. And John, please, uh, for our viewers who haven't tuned in to you, let them know where they can find you on social media and also listen, uh, listen to you on the radio. Hey, best thing to do is download my free app. If you have uh, Google Play or the App Store, just put in John Frederick Show, download my free app. You can hear me 24-7. You can also hear Steve Bannon on me. Follow me on Twitter, at JF Radio Show, at JF Radio Show. Eric, Thank you for having me. You bet, man. Thanks, thanks. Good to, good to see you, John. Again, folks, that's, that's John Fredericks. He's the founder of the John Fredericks Radio Network. He also served on the Trump Campaign Advisory Board in 2020 and chaired the Trump Campaign in 2016 and 2020 in Virginia. Well, stay right with us. We're coming back with Seb Gorka. We'll be back in just a minute. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Well, welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. And as you know, this is the show where we seek to bring you the perspectives that big tech so often seeks to silence. And we are honored now to be joined by Dr. Sebastian Gorka. He's been a guest here many times. As you know, he served as deputy assistant to President Donald Trump. He's the author of The War for America's Soul, Donald Trump, The Left's Assault on America, and How We Can Take Back Our Country. And he is the host of America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka, which, as you know, airs on the Salem Broadcast Network. Dr. Gorka, thanks so much for joining us again. Great to be back, Eric. And by the way, uh, when it comes to big tech censorship, just for you guys, uh, we had Marjorie Taylor Greene on our show last week. Yes. And when she talked about election fraud, guess what happened? A congresswoman can't talk about election fraud. <laughs> so the fascists in Silicon Valley suspended our YouTube channel for a week. We'll see if we're back up tomorrow. But that's what they think about the First Amendment and the people who we elect to Congress. It's absolutely nuts. Well, you know, one, one, another place where folks can get you, and I encourage them to, is at SebGorka.com, because that's where you've got some of your outstanding columns. And one of those I want you to break down for our viewers. You've got a column out, Trump will return. Break that down for our viewers, if you would, please. Yeah. So, you know, I was very worried, as many uh, supporters of the president and, and the MAGA movement were when uh, the events of the the uh, this, the uh, breaching of, of Congress occurred on January the, the 6th. And I thought the president is going to have to take a hiatus from politics and disappear for a year or two. Well, that all changed with the sham impeachment, mm -hmm. the railroading again in an eight, eight an eight hour impeachment. I mean, let's remember when, when Johnson was impeached over 100 years ago, it took 81 days. Even yes. Clinton, even Clinton got 37 days. Nancy Pelosi, with no evidence, no witnesses, did it in eight hours. It was a travesty. It is a disgrace. And I said, look, this makes it possible for Donald Trump to come back yes. sooner than we ever imagined. Why? Because they publicly tried to martyr him. And this week it's going to continue or in, in uh, six days time, it's going to continue with a trial in the Senate. And he's proven me right. Why? Well, guess what happened last week? He opened in Florida his official office of the former president. Mm -hmm. And last week he also endorsed his first political candidate, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the great warrior princess, 
for the governorship of uh, Arkansas. And then yesterday, this morning, I think it's viral. You can see it on my Twitter feed. Amazing photograph of, of the new, I think Rush Limbaugh called him the president in exile, the new Oval Office from Mar-a-Lago, which look, the Oval Office, you've been there, Eric, is very yeah. cool. But the one in, the one in Mar-a-Lago, it's even cooler. <laughs> so he's back long before anybody expected. And he's going to be the kingmaker. I mean, he, whether or not he runs in 2024, I, I don't think he's decided. He is the de facto kingmaker of the conservative movement. Yeah. And Seb, one of the things that, you know, a lot of our viewers have also noted and, and, and again, due in part to John Solomon and others, excellent reporting, is that even the fact base that the Democrats were using insofar as there were any facts in this eight hour drive by impeachment, a lot of that's been proven wrong. The timeline of events has come out. The people who are actually involved were getting more and more details about this. So it seems certainly from from our perspective here and what we're hearing from our viewers, and I'm curious what you're hearing from from your audience, that this just seemed like they were doing it in such a sloppy way that it completely ripped the Band-Aid off and showed, if nothing else had, that this was a completely political attack on President Trump. Oh, just just look at the fact of the case. I was there. I was in the the front row of the ellipse, just feet away from the then president of the United States, Donald Trump, as he gave his speech. Uh, he was still, it was a long speech. It was a cold, cold January day. We did not expect him to speak for more than an hour, which he did. Mm. The breach, the very peculiar breach with police officers in some cases opening the doors. Or waving people and, and in. People yes. Waving people in and people walking through the the velvet rope corridor is very strange, very strange. Anyway, that occurred 40 minutes before the president finished his speech. Mm-hmm. So hang on a second. How, how, let's, how is he inciting anything? Let's remember that the only, the solitary article of impeachment is incitement to violent insurrection. Well, you can't, you can't incite something that's already happening. And then the biggest, the biggest anti-smoking gun, if you will, if Donald Trump had incited anybody to violence, what would be playing on a loop for the last three weeks on CNN, MSNBC, and ABC? Governor Greitens, you, you know right. as well as I do. It would have been the clip of, go and storm the Congress. Well, there wasn't a go and storm the That's Congress right. clip. Because what he said was, you are going to peacefully and patriotically yes. march to Congress. So the whole thing's a sham, it's a disgrace. And it's, it's going to make Donald Trump, the private citizen, more powerful than he's ever been. It's like, it's like that last scene from the original Star Wars. If you strike me down now, Darth, I will be more powerful than you can imagine. That's what they did to him. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that it's also highlighted, given everything that's happening, we saw what happened with Liz Cheney in Wyoming, these these events with President Trump. The other thing I want to get your perspective on is what's happening to another group of Republicans who are trying to make their comeback. And that is the establishment Republicans, the lobbyist insider Republicans, the political consultant Republicans, as they exist in the Lincoln Project. For our viewers who haven't been following this that closely. If you could break down for them, who is the Lincoln Project? What do they represent? And what does this latest news tell you about how they conduct themselves? 
Well, first things first, <laughs> they're not Republicans and they right. never were. I mean, these are swamp creatures and they always have yes. been. The Lincoln Project, this is, you know, there's only one title for this. This is hashtag Lincoln Project Pedogate. We now know that one of the founders of this and this hysterical anti-Trump organization that has garnered tens, if not hundreds mm -hmm. of millions of dollars, one of the founders, John Weaver, who was Kasich's strategic advisor, who worked on the, of course, the McCain presidential campaign, this Republican ha for, for years now, years now, has been sexting young men inappropriately as a married man with children. And he has been doing that not only with young men, but with children as young as 14. And the Lincoln Project is now shocked that one of their founders has done this. Well, come on, Rick Wilson. Come on, George Conway. Come on, Steve Schmidt. The idea that you had no idea that your co-founder was doing this. I have one question. No, make it two. Remember what they said about Nixon, Eric? Mm. When, yes. what did the Lincoln Project founders know? And when did they know that John Weaver was a pederast sexting young boys. And by the way, the Lincoln Project that that's, is so proud that they helped get Donald Trump defeated mm. as Republicans, uh, their, FC, uh, their, their filings, their FEC filings are fascinating. This is an organization that pays itself 90% mm -hmm. of the money that comes in. Nine, that's like, it's like the Clinton Foundation. They have a 90% overhead. They are grifters par excellence and now hopefully they're going to go down and they're going to collapse because these guys are truly scum, Eric. That's all they are. Awesome. Well, we're going to we're going to keep an eye on them and keep tabs on them here uh, for for sure. Before we go, I want to get your thoughts on what's happening abroad. Uh, we've been talking a little bit earlier in the show about the threat from China. Everyone saw how President Trump turned things around in America's relationship with China. What's your analysis of the early signs coming out from the Biden administration? Look, they're, they're very happy. There's a reason I call him uh, sleepy, creepy Beijing Biden. This mm -hmm. is a guy whose uh, whole family is inveigled with Chinese interests, uh, whether it's his son who you know, managed to get $1.4 billion from the Communist Bank of China or the rest of the Biden clan. And they're flexing their muscles. Look at what they're doing in Taiwanese airspace. Look mm -hmm. at the, uh, the drill that they, uh, they rehearsed on how to attack a U.S. carrier in the South Pacific or the, the, the South China Sea. This is, this is a nation that wishes to become the only hegemonic power in the world. They're the world's biggest communist dictatorship. And China knows that this is the time to make hay. The sun has risen in America when it comes to a decrepit old senile yeah. man who doesn't know what day of the week. Did you see the video? Joe Biden couldn't take a pen he was signing executive orders with and put it back in his jacket pocket. He was mumbling to himself as he missed his pocket. The, Be the Beijing communists look at that and say, wow, now is the time to strike. And they're, they're going to intimidate our friends and allies. And I, I promise you right now, I don't do predictions, Eric. But this administration is going to be tested by a crisis very soon. Either the caravan of COVID-infected thousands of illegal immigrants hitting the border now that Biden yeah. says, come on in, whether it's China with its military exercises or whether it's Russia, very soon this senile old man 
is going to be challenged and it's not going to be good for any American. And you look back at the Cold War, you look back at American history, it's almost always the case that a new president comes into office and immediately you are challenged. I mean, we saw this with the Cuban Missile Crisis with John F. Kennedy. After the Bay of Pigs, the Soviets thought that he was weak and they were going to come in and they're going to push. So absolutely, uh, we, if history is any guide, we can certainly expect that. So again, Dr. Gorka, before we go, let everybody know where they can follow you, please. You're such a gentleman. Thank you, Eric. So it's uh, daily as uh, three to six Eastern is our radio show. Three million listeners. We live stream uh, not on YouTube at the moment, but on Facebook. We're available on Instagram, uh, on Twitter, and also uh, live on our website, sebgorka.com, S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A. And also where, wherever you get your podcasts. But we might be back on YouTube tonight, tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see what Silicon Valley has to say. <laughs> We'll see what they have to say. Again, thank you so much, folks. That's Dr. Seb Gorka. Check him out and stay right with us because when we come back, we're going to have more from War Room with Steve Bannon earlier from earlier today. Stay right with us. A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at Squeezed.com. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. Earlier today, I was on The War Room with Steve Bannon. We covered a lot of ground. Take a listen. See the radical agenda. It's all there. This is why the this is why the polling is going to go down as you expose it and confront it. So I want to turn to Eric Reitens, former governor of Missouri, a red state. And by the way, the folks in Missouri represented on November 3rd. The spread there is amazing. That is a red state and that is Trump country. If you were governor today with your AG, give us your punch list of how you would confront this. Well, the first thing that you have to do as governor is that you have to recognize that just because somebody has an R behind their name does not mean that they are on the side of the American people. Just because somebody has an R behind their name, and even when you have a tremendous amount of support for President Trump in the state of Missouri, that doesn't mean that Republicans are out there actually fighting for them. You need to have a governor who's going to let everybody know, every statewide office holder, everybody in the state legislature, that you're going to be held accountable. We have to have Republicans who are willing to stand up and fight against the establishment. Because one of the things that I found as governor is that you have an incredibly powerful establishment. And it is this cabal between politicians and lobbyists and insiders. And they have corrupt tax credit programs. They have corrupt insider schemes. These are all of the things that President Trump got up and he fought against in Washington, D.C. And you have to have leaders who are willing to stand up and fight. So one of the first things that you have to do is that you have to stand up and say, look, this is what this party is about. We're about supporting the American people. We're not about supporting lobbyists. We're not about supporting insiders. And we're willing to fight. Second thing, number two. One of the things that we did so successfully when we were in Missouri was that we defeated Antifa. And one of the things that we have to do, Republicans wow. have to do, is that you have to stand up very clearly. And what we did, Steve, it was quite simple. That's not easy to stand up to them because they're very intimidating, right? Well, they will come after you. 
they will come after you. This is a regime that is engaged in and purposefully works to. But you're a Navy yeah. SEAL. You're a Navy SEAL. How many guys? They're not. You know, they're, they're, we got a lot of veterans. But you're a Navy SEAL. You can look guy down and say, hey, you know, forget it. How, how do you? If you're not a Navy SEAL, do you need that inner resolve? Because Antifa, these guys are brutal. They're, they are brutal, but at the end of the day, if you signed up and you put your name on the ballot and you are running, then it is not about you. It's about the people who you're going to fight for. And the fact is, when Antifa comes, they are ready to burn cities down. They will loot. They will riot. They will assault peaceful people engaged in prayer. And the problem is not just what leftists are willing to do and not just what Antifa is willing to do. It is the cowardice of the Republican establishment, oftentimes, that lets them get away with it. When I was governor, we were very clear. Number one, we said everybody has the constitutional right to freedom of speech and freedom of assembly. We said, and if you are out there and you are exercising your constitutional rights, law enforcement officers are going to be out there and they're going to protect you. And that's exactly what we did. But we're also really clear that throwing a brick through a window is not free speech. You assault a law enforcement officer, you're going to be arrested. So we have to win this fight on the on the. So if you were out there in Oregon, in Portland and Seattle, what would you do? Well, those are obviously out of control. So what what would you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you what we did. So first of all, uh, you bring in the National Guard. What do you what? Why is it important to bring in the National Guard? You can have the National Guard protect places like fire stations, police stations, et cetera. What does that allow you to do? It puts more manpower on the streets. You get your men and women in law enforcement out there on the street. Number two, you create absolute clarity. And the clarity is that the moment somebody throws a brick through the window, they get Okay, let me ask you for some clarity here where we can't yeah. get. We've seen DeSantis and we've seen DeSantis and Abbott start to stand up for this. If you're a governor and they make the National Guard request for the 25,000 combat troops, it's like Lincoln asking for him. And this is the thing. It wasn't it was Fort Sumner, but it was also Lincoln bringing the, you know, asking for troops to come here. Right. That's the thing. Got everything. It started to the kinetic part started to roll after that. They make a request to you as a governor. You got 25,000 troops there. You didn't see it last week. I mean, this was the green zone. I mean, you've, you've seen Iraq. Insane. You've yes. seen Iraq and Afghanistan. Yes. It's embarrassing, humiliating. Yes. What information and what we demand? The Santas and, and Abbott are saying right now. We got to say there's 7,000 National Guard here. They got yeah. the. They got the, the. They got the, the. Not just the barbed wire, the razor wire. What would you demand to see today? Not just IC chatter. What would what receipts would you demand? One for me to have Missouri troops here, yes. the National Guard, and number two, this whole purging of guys, social media, etc. What their political beliefs are. What would you do? Yeah. Number one, show me the intelligence. Show me the intelligence that shows that there is a real threat that is demanding that we have more troops here in Washington, D.C. than we have in Afghanistan. You show me the intelligence that helps me to understand that that makes military sense, that there is a bigger threat here in Washington, D.C. than there is in Afghanistan. Look, the fact is that we have to have leaders who are willing to stand up against the Biden administration. And the fact is, it's very clear when you look at that inauguration, he was out there talking about, we the people, this is a fight for all the people. And yet what happened? The American people were nowhere to be seen because they were kept away from the inauguration by fences and barbed wire. Uh, and, and also lack of interest. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, <laughs> well, how, how, look, you've oh, gone through inauguration. How eerie was that on inauguration day? It's scary. It's scary, Steve. I mean, it's truly scary. People use that word. When you saw what happened, and look, I spent a lot of time overseas. I've worked in Bosnia, Rwanda. I've worked in Cambodia and Albania. I've been in Afghanistan, in Iraq. What happened on Joe Biden's inauguration, that is not the United States of America. 
That is not the United States of America. I want to go back to the EOs and jump in here, yeah. uh, Raheem. Uh, what, if, if, what would you have? You see Paxson's got a, they got a plan yep. in Texas, yep. right? Yep. Where it's not illegal, fine. It may not like it, but hey, you got to write for an executive order. Where it crosses Ill- illegality against federal law, or we think it's unconstitutional, not only are we going to be in your grill, we're going to be the first one in your yes. grill. We're going to file first. What, what, what would you do if you're still in Missouri with your AG to say, we got to be at the forefront of this? Let me give you a couple specific examples. One of the things that the left loves to do is that they love to suspend laws that they don't like. All right? We have a constitution Laws are passed. When those laws are passed, it is the duty of the executive branch to enforce the law. What happens when Biden comes in? Biden comes in, he says, you know what, we're not going to enforce the immigrations and customs enforcement laws that are making sure that we're keeping our communities safe. Look, if he doesn't like the law, he needs to go and change the law, but the executive doesn't get to decide that they're not going to enforce it. We saw the same thing and you saw the consequences of it all through the summer because what happened? You had these George Soros-funded leftist prosecutors in all of these cities. Like in Missouri. Yes, in Missouri. They wouldn't enforce the law. They wouldn't enforce the law. So people are out there, and you had Antifa and Black Lives Matter assaulting peaceful people engaged in prayer. No charges. You had people looting. No charges. You had people engaged in arson. There were no charges. The statue of St. Louis in, in St. Louis is discra- it, disgraceful. It's disgraceful. It's disgraceful, Disgrace. Steve. I had friends pray- who were out there. People out there praying, doing the rosary around that statue is disgraceful. And then they, they came did. in, and they were beaten. And then what does the left do? The left says, well, we're not going to enforce the law. You can assault those people engaged in prayer. You can burn down these businesses. You can engage in that looting. And it's just not right. Okay, Greitens going to be here for the whole first hour. Raheem, we're going to jump back to you. Uh, by the way, real quickly, National Pulse, how do people, it's in the live chat. We want everybody in the live chat, get yeah. up on the ramparts today. This is fight week. Um, National Pulse, how do you get to this thing on the EOs? Yeah, it's thenationalpulse.com. It's one of our lead stories right now. You can find it uh, on the homepage, thenationalpulse.com. Details, details, details lead to action, action, action. Remember, we're winning. The, the, the amnesty bill, they wanted two things to radically change. Mail-in ballots and amnesty bill. Amnesty bill's dead in the water already. They're going to try to break it up into pieces. That's because of you, this audience. Short commercial break. Markets are on fire. Dan David, one of the top shorts in the world, is going to be joining us next in the War Room. War Room. Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Producer Cameron, I want to make sure Denver gets up, uh, not for now, but later, the the lead story in the New York Times, 77 days uh, for chaos, because this audience, the great audience of, uh, oh, here it is right here. I'll, I'll actually pick it up. You can see it right here. The lead story in the paper of record of our beloved country, the New York Times. 77 days, Trump's campaign to subvert the election. And the War Room posse gets a, I don't know, a starring role, a co-starring role, a co-starring role. So there it is right there. That's the headline. Uh, you can see it uh, right here in the, in the heart. I like, yeah, I like the newspaper. Let's yeah, get yeah. a shot of Steve it, with it, the newspaper up. Yeah, it's a, a much better shot. I, I'm a hard copy guy. I gotta, they, there you ca- go. Cameron knows. I got to get my papers every day. I'm a hard copy guy. Um, read these. I've read the New York Times think ever, since I was 10, so I was a paper boy. Know thy enemy. As uh, Ken Paxton say, okay, uh, we're going to get into that later because it's a it's a nine thousand word piece with the, the three of their top assassins, Maggie Haberman, Joe Becker, and uh, Jim Rutenberg, uh, and others, right? Um, oh, Jonathan Martin, they got them all there. All the devils, <laughs> all the devils getting around poor President Trump. That's where we got to fight back. 
Fight Club next week. Okay, I want to now go to the capital markets. Um, it's one of the things we're proud about this show is we tie all of it together. The pandemic, the global geopolitical crisis, the, the economic crisis that triggered the financial capital markets crisis, the politics, the geopolitics, are, and the cultural. Uh, I think it's the only show in the world that can do it. Now, Dan Davids is one of the most sophisticated Wall Street guys around. The reason we've been on the platform with Dan and known him for years and, and talked to him, he, he and Muddy Waters, the organization over there, uh, are the two most sophisticated guys about finding uh, bogus Chinese Communist Party companies and really shorting them. And the reason is that these guys make, remember, they, they're not held by the same standards of American entrepreneurs. You and the audience, that, you know, the whole thing of populism is to get a piece of the action, right? Just a piece of the action. Entrepreneurs out there that try to use the capital markets, whether it's venture capital, private equity, then going public, are at a major disadvantage. That was War Room from earlier today. It was a ton of fun to be on with Steve Bannon and Raheem. Now, coming up right here on Real America's Voice, as you know, is Dr. Gina Primetime. She's got a great show for you tonight. And before we go, be sure that you share with your friends that you're checking out the news at justthenews.com. The biggest story there right now, Scandal-rama. Figures tied to past controversies are increasingly landing jobs on Team Biden. All of the facts are out at justthenews.com. You can check them out there. Enjoy Dr. Gina's show, and we'll be, we'll be back with you tomorrow night.